Hey podcast people, how's it going? Azrin the Language Nerd here. Welcome to today's podcast episode. We're going to skip the usual introduction and just dive right into the show. The first thing I would like to say is a, a plug, a little bit of an announcement. So the October free class and activity schedule is now ready. I have posted it to my website. So if you visit azrinthelanguagenerd.com slash drop dash in, you will find it. Again, the website is azarinthelanguagenerd.com slash drop dash in. We have plenty of free online classes for language learners. We have French classes, Spanish classes, German classes, Gujarati classes, English classes, and Mandarin classes. We also organize a Mandarin English language exchange. So for those of you who speak Mandarin and you are learning English, or if you speak English and you're learning Mandarin, that activity is definitely for you. And so please visit the website azarinthelanguagenerd.com slash drop dash in, D-R-O-P dash I-N. Visit that website, sign up for whatever classes. Again, almost all of them are online and all of them are free with the exception of a Spanish yoga class that we run online, which is $52 a month or you can do a $20 drop-in. You can attend $20 per class, or you can pay $52 for a whole month. So if any of those interest you, again, please visit that website. I would I would really appreciate it. I put, we put a, myself and my team, we put in lots of work into these free classes that we offer. And the goal behind these classes is to make language learning accessible. We want everybody to be able to go and practice and learn other foreign languages. I'm looking at adding some other languages as well, Arabic be, being one of them. It is not official yet, but it's something that I am looking at. If you live in Calgary, we have some we have a really fun social event every week that is taking place. This event is called Campfire Social Nights. Every Saturday evening we meet in St. Patrick's Island that is close to the Calgary Zoo. We meet there, we hang out, we start a campfire and we just hang out together and practice different languages. We had one already, and that one went really well. We had about 20 to 30 different people who attended. Considering it's an outdoor event and it's a very wide open space, it's easy for us to, to be safe with COVID measures and to make sure we can maintain social distancing and, and be responsible considering the COVID situation. And so if you want to come and have some fun, be with other people learning languages and do it in a safe fashion, I highly recommend you attend our campfire social nights here in Calgary. Again, St. Patrick's Island, there's a really big hill. We're at the top of the hill. You can visit, you can visit azarinthelanguagenerd.com slash campfire. And on that website, you will find all of the information. Again, azarinthelanguagenerd.com slash campfire and you will find the information there. This event costs $2 to join. The purpose for the $2 is to cover the cost of buying firewood. If ever we collect more money than what we need for the firewood, then that money is just going to go towards the, the next firewood purchase for the following week. Does that make sense? So it's just to cover our cost of the firewood. So I'm very excited, very, very excited about that. Now let's dive into some language learning topics for today. The first thing I would like to talk about is a YouTube video that I made a couple of days ago. The title of this video was how to learn without grammar and the without is in brackets. 
So how to learn open bracket without close bracket grammar. Fascinating video. It's 48 minutes long and 33 seconds. So it's quite long and it's going to be difficult for me to talk about everything in this podcast that I mentioned in the video, especially because in the video, I talked about other topics as well. That wasn't the only thing that I talked about. Um, but I wanted to mention a few key points that came up in the video. The first thing is that many language learners will make a comment such as, I want to learn a language without studying grammar. And in my opinion, this is possible. You can learn a language by studying little to no grammar. Now, understand that if you are going to be doing this, I think that you probably are limited as to how strong you will end up becoming in the language. I think that if you are trying to become very advanced in another language and you choose that you are not, you choose to not study grammar, I think you might have a very difficult time. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's really difficult. Now, if you are going to try and achieve a very advanced level in a language, and you choose to study some grammar, and you choose to study grammar rules, grammar patterns, conjugations, word order, etc., I think it will help you tremendously. I really think it will. If you're the type of person who, um, who doesn't care about achieving a super, a super fluent, super advanced level in the target language, this is where I think there's a good there's a good debate to be had around if you a good debate to ha to be had around how much grammar you have to actually study. Let me give you an example. My grandma on my dad's side of the family speaks English fluently and she understands English fluently. However, her grammar is absolutely terrible. I remember this one time I received a text message from her and it was almost impossible to understand what she was trying to say. I ended up figuring it out when I when I sat there and read it and think and thought about the context of the message. But initially it was really difficult for me to understand what she was saying because the grammar was all over the place. And on my in my grandma's case, she also has poor spelling because it was not when she came to Canada, she did not go and learn English in any formal capacity, at least to my knowledge. And so my grandma has really poor grammar and yet she has lots of friends, she can communicate, she understands basically everything of what people say, but everything she says is riddled with grammar mistakes. Everything. But she's able to get her point across and she's still able to function in day-to-day -day society. And I think that's a really good example for us all to look at. If you don't care that you're go what you're saying is ha if you don't care that you're making mistakes and you don't care that you're not perfect and you don't care about having that really great grammar, then by all means, you're able to go learn another language without necessarily putting a huge emphasis on grammar. Just understand that you're not going to sound quote unquote perfect or sound really, really polished in the target language. And so I think that's something that's worth mentioning. Now, can you go learn a language and sound really grammatically correctly without studying any grammar? As I said before, I think it's possible, but it, it really will help you if you go study some grammar on your own and you do spend some time learning it. Now, while we're on the topic of grammar, a common question I receive is, Azarin, what do you do if you're facing a complex grammar point that perhaps doesn't exist in your first language? Um, in French and Spanish, for instance, they have subjunctive, which in English, we don't really have a great equivalent. 
We don't have one. So often for a native English speaker, it's really hard to understand how and when to use the subjunctive. Another example would be um, cases. I don't have a lot of personal experience with cases, but again, someone coming from a, an English an English uh, background, like a, a English as their first language, when they learn a language such as, I believe Russian has cases, if I'm not mistaken. German has some cases. Many languages have cases. If I'm not mistaken, people often struggle with cases because we don't have that concept in English. So you're not only trying to remember the conjugations or the the way that the spelling and pronunciation of words change, but you're also having to remember that you even have to use this case and use this foreign, completely foreign grammatical concept that does not exist whatsoever in your mother tongue. So that's really challenging. So people ask me, how do you overcome that? Now, in my perspective and in my experience, um, what tends to what tends to work really well for many is if you First of all, try to learn the grammatical rules around this difficult grammar point. Go learn the rules, go study them, go do any written exercises, go do some practice questions and practice quizzes. That's a good start. It won't be enough, but it's a start. And then I think what will really help you is if you start to learn some common phrases that you can start to incorporate in your actual day-to-day -day speech in that language. Kind of like in Mandarin, they have this concept called ba. I've used this example various times, and it's it was really hard for me to understand. But I memorized a couple of phrases that I could use reasonably frequently with this particular character and grammar point. And I would use them even though I didn't really understand why it was phrased and why I was saying those sentences the way that I was saying them. But I would learn small phrases at a time and over a number of years of doing this and over a number of years of reviewing the grammar rules and listening to Mandarin, communicating with other speakers, going through a couple of immersion experiences where I was in Taiwan and China and hearing Mandarin, reading Mandarin on a daily basis. After a number of years, it finally kind of clicked into my head in a way where now I unconsciously understand it. In fact, I understand it so unconsciously that if I had to explain it to you and break down the grammar rule for you, I don't know if I could do it anymore. I would have to research again. How does it work? Why do we say that? I don't remember because it's become so internalized. And so to internalize grammar, whether it's simple, simple or complex, I think there's a, a few steps you can follow. Step one, I'm a really big fan of actually studying the grammar, almost like you were going to be studying for a test. Go find some websites or blogs or YouTube videos, a textbook, read it up, read about that grammar point, watch videos about the grammar point. Go understand and, and have, use a resource, whatever resource you want to understand the theory behind that grammar point. Step two is I want you to do some practice exercises. For those of you who have used a textbook before, often you'll get these practice questions in order to practice a grammar point that the textbook recently taught you. I'm a big fan of doing some grammar exercises. Do those grammar exercises, get them corrected, understand your mistake, and try again. I think that's a great step two. Step three, I think depending on the grammatical point, I think there's value on a reasonably regular basis throughout the week to actually write and practice writing different things using that grammar point. 
So for instance, if you were doing French verb conjugations in the, in the passé composé, I think writing down five verbs a day and writing down their conjugations and doing that every day for 15 minutes is not a bad idea. I think it can help a lot of you, especially if you're encountering something like irregular verbs, which don't follow the typical rules. I think that's a great thing to be doing. I think step four, consistently at all points of time, every day for the rest of the time that you're learning said language, you should always be listening to stuff. Music, podcast songs, YouTube videos, uh, TV, uh, graded readers, uh, practice listening exercises, textbook audios, whatever you want. Listening and reading to whatever you want in the target language and doing that on an ongoing basis is a very good idea because you're going to be encountering the grammatical points that you are currently learning in real life scenarios. And that's going to continuously pound it into your head that over a six to 18 month window, it's going to really get deeper into your mind and it's going to make a heck of a lot more sense. The next step that I would follow, I believe we're at step five, is I think you need to be using these particular grammatical structures and patterns and, and conjugations, etc in conversations with other people. I think that's a great strategy to be doing. Um, for instance, I think if you are doing language exchanges or taking private classes or taking conversation classes or you're doing whatever the heck you're doing, even if you're, for example, attending the free classes that I organize, because I know some of you do, right? Some of you definitely do. And you're attending those free classes that I'm organizing on a weekly basis. Again, azrinthelanguagenerd.com slash drop dash in. I highly recommend you check those out. If you're attending those, right, pushing yourself and challenging yourself to use some of those grammatical structures within the conversation portions of those classes. That's going to be that's going to be helpful for you as well. Another strategy I would give, and I don't know where this fits into this whole five, six step process I've been sharing, is for you to uh, keep a journal and write about different things on a daily basis or a regular basis and try to incorporate the grammatical structures and grammar points that you have been trying to learn. This will help you. And I think if you follow the structure that I've given you, these five, six, seven steps, if you follow that and you do that on a regular basis, minimally a couple times a week, let's say, minimally. More is a little better, but let's say minimally a couple times a week. Depending on your brain, depending on how quickly you learn, depending on, depending on you, you'll be able to learn that and have it at a reasonably strong level within best case scenario, a couple of weeks, depending on how complex the grammar is and how quickly your brain tends to pick things up and all of that, you know, on the low end, a couple of weeks, um, maybe on the medium end, a couple of months, two, three, four months, uh, maybe, maybe two to six months, let's say on the kind of medium end. Um, and it'll become after that two to six months, you'll have a good grasp of it, of whatever grammar point it is. And then after probably on the higher end, maybe a year or so, six months to a year, you'll have an okay grasp of it, of whatever grammar point you're trying to learn. And then for you to really have a good grasp, it is going to take a long time for you to, for it to come supernatural, like second nature. Like you don't even have to think about it anymore that we're talking probably again, maybe not this long, but for some of you, a couple of years might take a couple of years or a little longer, potentially. It'll be different for everybody, but I would not be shocked if it's a matter of years. For me, it often is. For myself, it very, very often is for different grammar points. So 
Um, so yeah, the last thing I'll say in this podcast, and we'll wrap things up for today because I've got something that starts shortly, is a random little thought that I wanted to share, which I think can be helpful for a lot of you, is that uh, it has to do with age, funnily enough. So often, I, I often hear people who are, let's say, in their 20s and younger, uh, I don't hear it as much in the, th- uh, you know what, I do often hear it in early 30s, mid 30s as well, but really where I hear it is kind of, let's say under the age of 28 is where I hear it the most, where people say things like, oh my God, I don't know what I want to do with my life, whether it's career, whether it's, um, often it's career, right? That's kind of a big part of it, career and work, but sometimes it's it's more than that. Sometimes it's hobbies and just other big life decisions like marriage and and in going to university or not should you take a gap year in those years call it before 28 ish a, a significant and sometimes older than that too but i'm generalizing people often really struggle to figure out um to not feel lost i suppose they to not feel lost and the big thing i wanted to say and i don't know if this is the popular perspective or not is that it's not that you're lost. If you feel lost, it's not that you're lost. That's not really what's going on. It's that you're early. It's that you're young. It's it's that you're young. And for some reason, for one reason or another, you thought that by your age, by today, you should have had X number of things figured out. You thought you should have your career figured out. You thought you should have your studies figured out. You thought you should know if you should take a gap year from university or not. You thought you should know what major you want to study. You thought you should know after you get in this company, after you get a job, what you're working towards in a 5, 10, 15 year window. You think you should know your 5, 10, 15 year goals. You think you should know X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. You think you should, but you don't, but you're wrong. You think you should, but you you shouldn't. You're just too young to know. It's not that you're lost or you're dumb or you haven't figured it out. It's that you're just too young to even have it figured out. You're not supposed to have figured it out by that age. I, that's a big thing I want to push. Like I'm 27. I turned 28 in one month. In fact, it might even be one month to the day. No, it's less than a month now, actually. Looking at the date right now. In less than a month, I turned 28. And I... I still feel like I'm in a huge learning phase of my life. That's what I feel like. I don't feel like I'm an adult who's figured everything out. I don't know exactly what career I'd like to work on. I don't know if I'm going to keep running the business I'm running now. I don't know if I'll keep podcasting. I don't know if I'll, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Now, I have certain thoughts, but I don't know. I really don't know. I'm nowhere near the kinds of, the kind of career success I would like to have nowhere near it. I've got certain worries in myself and I've talked about this a few times on the podcast that maybe I am going about a career path that is not really what I could excel the most in and it's not the career path that would really bring me the most amount of happiness. I have some insecurities about that but at the same time there's small insecurities because I know I'm 28 and 28 is really young. We don't think it is People don't, you don't believe me when I say it's really young. Now, if you're like 40, you believe me because now you know what it's like to be 40 and you remember 28 and you're like, oh no, 28's young. But if you're like 25 right now, or if you're 27, if you're 28 yourself, if you're 29, if you're 30, you know, if you're, let's say 33 
or 32 or younger and I tell you 28 is young and you're a in you're still a baby and you're no your education isn't complete I know you're done university but your education's still not complete I view education at a much deeper level than just going to university or college or things of that nature I view education in a much bigger thing I feel like you finish university slash college and then technically your education's done you're like I'm graduated I'm done I go on to my career I don't think so I think you're we've been tricked I think you finish university college yes you move on to your career but the first 10 years of your career or maybe more than 10 years to be honest with you you know first 10 15 years of your career is now the next phase of your education you're just in another phase of education you're not set up for life yet you're used now you got to go, le go learn something different and then you're gonna have to change jobs because you'll be laid off or you didn't like your job. You thought you wanted to be an engineer, but then when you got the job, you're like, crap, I didn't like being an engineer. Now I gotta go back to school to be something different. Oh crap. And you think you're taking a step back, but no, you're just in a new phase and you think you're going backwards, but you're actually not. You're really not. Like absolutely not. Um, and so all that to say that no, you're not lost, you're just young. You're not lost, you're not confused. You don't, it's not that you, you should know what your, your passion is, but you don't. No, 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 you're just young. You're just young. It's gonna be okay. You figure it out when you're, when you're older. You're just young still. And for the 40 year olds listen to this or 50 year olds listen to this, let me tell you something too. Young 28 year old Azrin's gonna tell you something as well. And maybe I'm wrong. This one, I'm not speaking from experience anymore. Now I'm speaking based on just logic. I really think 40, 50 years old is also pretty darn young. I mean, you still have, if you're 40, you probably still have 40 plus years to go in your life. Now, obviously you could get sick and things could happen. Like, of course, that's natural, right? But I'll just tell you, like, I know someone who's in her 70s or 80s and she's got, she's got it right. She's got her head on in the right place. Um, she, uh, like during COVID and everything, for example, people were losing their minds. And it was so interesting talking to the 70 or 80 year old lady that I know that I talk to reasonably regularly. And I was like talking to her and she's like, yeah, yeah, it sucks, but it's okay. She's like super optimistic and fine about it because she's seen worse. She knows it's gonna be okay. She's like, eh, she's super practically optimistic. She's like, yeah, you know, I used to go dance with my friends at this blah, blah, blah event. And now I can't do it, but now I dance in my room every day, look. And then she starts, I, I was on Zoom with her and she's like, starts dancing around in a room. And I was like, um, like, it was just, it was, it was really nice to see, right? She also just had a cancer in her stomach, um, a really big cancer, actually. She had no idea, I think. I think she had no clue she had cancer. She had no idea. Went for some operation. They took out this really big cancer and she like, like most people would be like, oh my God, I had cancer. Like I didn't know what they did operation and now what? And oh my goodness and this, ah, and like they'd be worried or they'd be concerned. You should have seen the text. You should have seen the text message she sent me. I actually want to read it to you. I'm going to read you this text message. Check this out. Hang on. Let me open it up. I, I have to read this to you. Maybe I might modify it a little bit in case she's mentioned something in it that like, I don't want to like, I don't want people to know who she is, like just for her privacy and whatnot. Let me just open this up here. Literally, she goes, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a long text, but she goes, I just got back from the doctor. It was a huge cancer! Exclamation parks, exclamation and caps lock. But it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, there's no treatment of any kind, but because it's rare and, it, or no, what is, no, hang on a second. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, her English is not her first language either, so it's kind of tough sometimes. Long story short, it was a huge cancer, but it's gone now. Yay! Isn't it great? Like, she was, like, just super happy. Like, just super lighthearted about having this huge operation. Having, like, super lighthearted. She's like, yeah, I gotta go see the doctor in six months. They're gonna do some more tests now. But it's great. It's out now. Like, just super optimistic. And I forget how we got on this topic of, of cancer and stuff. I can't remember how we got here, but... Um... I don't remember what we're talking about. We were talking about something and somehow I ended up on this topic, but maybe I'll wrap it up with this. Um, I really think, I really think we have, I think it's very important to internalize that, you know, it could be worse. It really could be worse now. And that's a very comforting thought because thank goodness it isn't worse. That's a very, it, if it's not a comforting thought, and gratitude isn't in you. Maybe it's something that you have to kind of build towards and, and try to inject in yourself over time. But gratitude is really important. And understanding that the stuff could be worse and being very happy that it's not worse is a really good thing to practice. It's a very good thing to practice. Now, I'm, I've been lucky. And again, it, it's a bit of a... <laughs> it's a paradoxical situation. I'm about to say... I feel, I'm so lucky that I haven't faced any real hardship in my life. But at the, at the flip side of that, maybe I have faced hardship and stuff, but I'm just kind of being grateful that it wasn't worse. So I don't know where this is coming from, but regardless, I, I feel I haven't faced any real hardship in comparison to what others face in the world. So maybe I'm just being naive about it. And maybe that's easier said than done when you really get punched in the face by life. I don't know. Because I've only had what I view to be minor issues. Um, like, I mean, I once had a cancer scare. I thought I had cancer once, but I didn't, right? So it was scary for a while, because I thought I did. I thought I might have had cancer, and it was like, it was a weird kind of moment. But then it was a false alarm, and it was cool, right? Or like one time, my, my sister like fainted for some reason in my arms, and I thought she died. That was really scary, and that was terrible. But she was, she didn't die. She was alive. It was okay. It was just, uh, we figured out what it was and she was, it's no issues now. It's better. It's hundred percent better. We learned what the issue was and we fixed it. It's okay. Or, you know, uh, like there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, you know, I, uh, I have a house and, you know, I've good family and, but like, it's just the gra like this COVID stuff for it's a great example. Like right now, I, I remember I was talking to someone and she's like, what is the world coming to? What is the world coming to right now? We have to wear masks all day. Like, that's awful. That's terrible. It's the worst. Like, oh my God, I don't... Like, let's just... Can we just put 2020 behind us? Like, oh no. And I couldn't leave the house for two months. And I had to, now I have to wear a mask. And what's going on? And I can I not go to London on my trip anymore? Like, I don't know. Like, oh my goodness. And then, and then I went to this... I went and then I saw this video actually as a lady and she's like, like, like so this venom in her voice, poison in her voice, anger, this kind of dripping with anger in her voice. And she's talking about how, oh my God, look in the school. They can't, they have to be outside, but distanced because of the rules. Like what kind of freaking world are we living in? And what is this goddamn nonsense? Like it was this poison vomiting out of her mouth. And I was like, whoa, it sucks, but it doesn't suck that much. It sucks. Yeah, of course, it's better if the kids can go outside and play properly. Of course it is. 
but it's not as bad as it's not as it's it's, it's bad but it's not as bad as your tone of voice and the, your words are making it seem we have to have perspective and gratitude and in my perspective i think it's important to realize that hey what if covid was slightly worse and it was killing kids and not older people that would be way worse thank goodness that's not the situation or even yeah anyway i could rent on it forever and again maybe i'm coming from a place of naivete because i haven't been i i haven't you know i haven't faced anything that i would consider to be major but then again it's that paradox again because maybe what i consider to be major is not like i have a different perspective of what major even is i remember when someone's i remember I'll, I'll, last maybe last story i have so much thought so many thoughts in my head i remember last year maybe two years ago i talked about it on the podcast someone stole my backpack like they literally i was robbed my laptop was stolen i lost a childhood a very meaningful childhood toy to myself that i had I, I lost like that was a very expensive laptop i lost all my files on it and it was stolen when there are people when when people get stolen from i didn't even realize this till after it was stolen i didn't like it because no one likes having their stuff stolen but i didn't really care i was like literally actually i remember this vividly when i realized it was stolen the first thought i had literally i kid you not so in my backpack i have this pencil case that was made by my grandma when i was five years old she made it for me and to this day i still use it and i also have this it's not sentimental but i use it a lot i've got this black like board that i use when i teach classes it's like an electronic blackboard that i use not very expensive and it's i could go get another one but it's i just use it all the time and by sheer luck when i had my backpack i'd taken those two things out and they weren't in my backpack and i kid you not the first thought i had is oh thank god my like literally went to gratitude i was like oh thank god my uh my pencil case wasn't in the backpack. I really like my pencil case. Thank goodness I didn't have my, my boogie board, my blackboard in there. I would have to go buy another one. Oh, that would have sucked. Those are the first two thoughts. Then I was like, oh, my laptop stolen. Oh, someone stole my lap my bag. Oh, crap. I oh, I better do this. But the first few thoughts were like, oh, thank goodness I got my pencil case still. Thank goodness I got my blackboard still. Oh, that's some right? And then even after it was stolen, like I was over it in a couple of days. I was like, eh, I had no laptop. So I was teaching off my phone. I didn't, I couldn't do my work anymore. Like it was really difficult to figure that out. I had to go use another, like it was kind of awkward, but it was, I was like, ah, I, I was fine. But what was interesting about that situation is everyone I told the story to treated it like it was a huge thing. Like, oh, that's terrible, Azrin. That's awful. They stole your lap. Oh, I'm so sorry. Anything I can do to help? Do you need a laptop? Are you okay? Um, like, wow, it's really a filthy feeling when people steal from you and it makes you feel yucky and, and, oh, they had your hands on your stuff. And, and my thought was like, oh no, it's, it's cool, man. Like it's a, it's a backpack. It's a laptop. It's, it's cool. The guy could have violently robbed me and he didn't. He just, when I wasn't looking, took my backpack and took off. I wasn't looking at it. And then I was like, and I was telling my friends, oh yeah, I stole it, but it's my fault. They're like, what do you mean it's your fault? It's like, well, I should have been looking. I, I, I take the blame on me. I don't take the blame. I don't put the blame on the other guy. That, I, I don't blame him at all. It's my fault. It's not his fault. Uh, my fault that my bag got stolen. And they're like, no, no, he stole it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I should have been watching. I should have paid more attention. My fault, man. I left that backpack on the out of sight. I couldn't see it. It was over there. My fault. Completely my fault. Um, and I take accountability for it. 
So all that to say, like, you know, maybe my perspective on what's bad and what's not is this different. I don't know. But when you really deeply understand, I think I was raised with it with my mom. When you really deeply understand what bad actually means, what bad really is, most stuff doesn't bother you anymore. Not to the same level. Even when I had that, like, I thought I had cancer at one point. I thought I was going to die. I remember thinking I'd be dead. I was like, I'm going to die. Crap, I'm going to die. This is going to suck. I cried for a day cried not a whole day I cried like for like I was off for a day I had a day where I was like and I canceled my classes I was off I was mentally in a like crap place I cried for like 20 minutes I was just completely like what um and then day two I was like well all right I don't know if I have can I literally remember thinking it's like well, I don't know if I have cancer they got some tests and stuff we're gonna do and that's taken place in x amount of time I don't remember what it was I was like well I guess I don't have to think about it till that day comes. I'm not going to die in the next two weeks or whatever it was. Okay, well, I guess it could be fine. So I don't know if I'm dead. I mean, I guess just keep going on. Like nothing's really changed, right? Like my life, I still feel the same as before I got that news. I might have cancer. I still feel the same. I don't feel sick. I can still walk. I can talk. I have friends. I can work. I can do this. I can go hang out with friends. I can do... Technically, nothing's really changed, actually. It was just a new idea. It was a seed that was planted in my head, but I'm I'm okay, right? I don't feel any different. All right, so I guess I can have two more good weeks or whatever it was till my point one was. Cool. And then I went on with life. And of course, in the back of your head, it's there. But you're like, you know what? It could be worse. I could be in a country that doesn't have good healthcare. I could be in a country that doesn't have free healthcare. Could be way worse. I could be... Um, could have been a terminal cancer immediately diagnosed and I'd only have six months left to live. Could be, could have been anything. It actually, in the grand, could be a painful type of death where I'd be like in pain for the next two years of my life and it'd be a, a, like a terrible thing. Could have been, I died suddenly and don't have time to say bye to family and friends and close things off. It could have been, could have been anything, right? Could have been anything. I, I got off easy. I got it so easy because actually it was nothing. It was nothing at all. Like it was, uh, it was fine. I, I was, they just had a, it was stupid. It was not even stupid. It was like a random like. Anyway, my doctor just said something really silly, and it was totally fine. Nothing was the problem at all. Um. But like that was not bad. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. When you really understand what bad is, most stuff doesn't bother you very much anymore. I'll say it again. When you really understand what bad is, most stuff doesn't bother you anymore right? Most stuff just doesn't bother you because you really deeply understand. And I think I've got a few people to thank for that. My mom is definitely one of them, you know, having taken me to different countries where people really have it bad and seeing it with my own eyes, you know, hearing some of the stories of like, um, I'm, you know, when I was growing up, we were kind of poor. I just didn't know it. Uh, we weren't like the poorest of poor, but we were poor. We didn't like this one trip we came back and like, or not, like not a trip. Sorry. Anyway, it's a long story, but you know, so I heard certain stories when I was older. I heard my grandparents' stories of coming to Canada. So the guy got reinforced there. I've seen it with my own eyes. I, you know, there's been a lot of influences in my life that kind of helped me see it that way. It's been reinforced by, as an adult, when I started listening to, um, I started watching some videos made by Gary Vaynerchuk. So it's reinforced further there in a different kind of way where he talks about his upbringing and like, when he talks about certain poverty and, and, and different, you know, charity boards he's on, you know, in my upbringing as well, like always from the age of 12, we've always been, we've always at Christmas time, 
we look at different charities and different causes to give to. I pool a certain amount of money every year and we put it towards that cause. It's like we put it towards building wells. We look at what, what the cost is to build a well. We look at the cost of providing lunch to kids and we would look at the cost and mom and I would pool some money together and we'd give to causes because my mom would be like, look, they don't have water. They have to walk three kilometers with more than that usually, but they have to walk you know, four hours to go get water, clean water. And I'd be like, wow, like I grew up with that, knowing that. So like when you really understand what bad is and you really deeply understand it, most stuff doesn't bother you very much anymore. Because if, if my house burned down today, I would hate it. I wouldn't like it. I'd be sad. I'd be upset. I'd be, you know, everything. But at the same time, I'd be like, well, I had a house for 28 years. That's amazing. So many people don't. Thank God I had a house for 28 years. Thank God we're in the position where we can go move in with any number of family members. Thank God we have work and we could go forward to rent a place or something if we need to. Thank God there's insurance on the house. Thank God, like we're gonna be just fine. There's no, it's okay. Thank God my mother wasn't in the house and got burnt alive. Oh my goodness. Hell, even if she got burnt alive, it could have been worse. Thank God she wasn't in the house, burnt alive, but didn't die, went to the hospital, was in pain. They tried to save her and they couldn't and she had to live this painful next two weeks and then she died. That's even worse too than just like, oh my goodness. A house fire sucks and your house burnt to the ground sucks. But in the grand scheme of things, that's actually not that bad. It could be way worse, especially like we're okay. We have family and stuff like for us, we're not going to be homeless if we leave the house, right? If you're homeless, like for me, maybe like that bad is if you don't have your basic necessities anymore. That's where stuff is bad. Maybe that's my line on bad. My line on bad is where you're in a position where you're unsure if you can meet your basic necessities, food, water, shelter are there others food water shelter clothes right clothing um food water shelter clothing yeah if you can't meet your basic needs and you're in and you're in a position where you might not be able to that's where you're in a bit that's that in my mind starts to get into bad territory and losing loved ones that's another one where my mind goes to that's that's pretty bad i think um i gotta say though even losing loved ones is a funny one for me like it would crush me but I, I, it's it's funny because it's not as bad as we would. It's bad in the sense of you feel sad and terrible. But but everybody loses loved ones, right? Like everybody loses it, and everybody tends. To, most people tend to get over it and they move on with their lives. Basically, it's bad for like X number of years, and then it's okay again. So when your mother dies, your brother dies, your sister dies, someone dies. You have a, things are bad for five, 10 years, or maybe sometimes less for people. It really depends. It's bad for X number of years. I'm not super well-versed in the topic, but X number of years, it's really bad. And it's really sad and hard to get over. And really for the rest of your life, you carry it with you, obviously. Um, but after those five years or whatever it is, you know, you live to the age of, let's say a hundred, if you're lucky, it's only 5% of your life. So even there, my mind goes like, was it, how bad is it in the big scheme of things? It's terrible, but it could have been way worse. It could still be way worse. So always having balancing perspective in your head, I think is really important. Anyway, crap, I just saw the time. I'm gonna be super late for something if I don't leave right now. Okay, Ren, I gotta go. Uh, reminder, check out those free classes. 
drop it azrinthelanguagenerd.com slash free uh sorry slash slash drop dash in all right everyone bye-bye gotta go see you